You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Good morning and a happy Wednesday to you. We're going to jump right into the show with new, troubling, dare I say, horrific details of the murder of three little kids. The lead. Yeah, this is this is just a horrifying story. No one wanted to know about this. No one wanted to hear this or let alone have this happen. But Rachel Henry, she's the mom that killed her three young children in her own home. She was arrested. More details are out now, and it, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, uh, Barry Markson in for Pamela today. Barry, thank you for being here. Uh, We know the name of the mother, the 22-year-old mother, Rachel Henry, uh, who is accused, I say accused, she apparently has admitted to killing her three children aged three, two, and seven months old. Yeah. And we are finding out some more details because Pamela and I had this discussion yesterday. Um, it is difficult to, to, to talk about uh, this. And I think one of the things that is maybe most difficult is I, I, we, we have this desire to, to know why, like, like there would be a good excuse, yeah. which there isn't, no. right? There, there's nothing, that could be, but we want to know why. Um, how could somebody actually do this? How could a this? mother right. do it, that to three children? It's unfathomable. We can't even, we can't even imagine it. Like what, w- right. what goes wrong? In right. somebody's head. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. What, what went wrong inside this mother's head? Uh, I'm going to... We're going we're gonna to try to be as, as, as respectful as we can. But there are some details of this that I think are relevant to a discussion of mental illness. Okay? Yeah. Well, I, I, and, absolutely. And that's where I'm going with this. Okay. Because looking at the police report, was it called Form 4, you know, the kind of the initial police report that we get. There seems to be, dare I say, some obvious signs of pretty dramatic issues going on inside this mom's brain. Um, I will start by saying that Monday afternoon-ish, Monday night, The woman is in a home along with the father of the children and a woman described as an aunt. So there's three adults in the home and three children. The mother, again, according to the others, say she's going to put the kids down for a nap. The one-year-old, she apparently smothered first. Yeah. While the three-year-old watched. And the three-year-old... The three-year-old yelled at mom to stop and apparently ran out of the room at one point. Also, she chased the three-year-old. The three-year-old actually punched the yeah. mom in the face while she was doing that to the one-year-old. The three-year-old knew what was happening. The three-year-old... Was then grabbed by the other adults in the house, apparently, thinking, hey, you're being crazy and running around and don't yeah. want to take your nap. Right. And took the three year old, the boy, oldest boy, back into the bedroom. Mom 
pinned the three-year-old to the ground and put her hands over mouth and noise, uh, mouth and nose, and suffocated the three-year-old while the three-year-old fought with mom. Then, and again, this, this, I'm only going through this because I, I think there is a, a level of mental illness that we, can't, uh, uh, we yeah. cannot fathom. And by the way, this information is coming from the mom. This is, in this is part she, of her yeah. she, statement she made to the police. As well as the other adults in the home putting yeah. this whole story together. And she then gives a bottle to the seven-month-old. Uh, you know, yeah, as, as you would, and apparently the 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 seven month old falls asleep. Mom is singing her a song while she smothers the seven year old while the father and the aunt are in the room next to it. Yeah, she then carries the three children, um, and puts them in the living room and stages them, if you will, like they are taking a nap and sleeping so that the other adults weren't aware. The other two adults were not initially aware. They thought the kids were sleeping. Yeah, they had they had no idea, apparently. It, it, it's amazing. She sang to the children as she smothered and killed them. Um, the three-year-old was scratching at her chest and pinching her, trying to make her stop. Uh, it's, it's, it's horrifying, Bruce. I mean, it's just, I, I don't even like to read things like this because I don't want this in my head. It's just, it's just horrifying. Uh, the mom has a, a meth addiction. Although uh, the police say she was not under the influence of any drugs when she was booked into jail that right. night. Exactly. So uh, the, the, the history of, of meth or meth addiction, is that relevant to this? I don't know. I, I admit, I don't know. Yeah. People, the other adults had said she had been acting strange over the last few days. I don't know if meth can permanently affect your brain. In other words, does it does it actually change your brain at some point or is this unrelated and just straight mental illness? Obviously, there's a mental illness or some brain issue. Something occurred here because no mother can do this without some level of mental illness or or just being so hallucinated, uh, getting so many hallucinations through drug use that you just don't know what you're doing. It's Barry Marks and in for Pamela. Um, there also is uh, the, the, the mother in this case apparently told police that the children had been removed from her care previously, although we believe that occurred in the state of Oklahoma as they had recently moved to Arizona. The Arizona Department of, of Child Safety says it had had no contacts with this family since they moved here. The judge then issued a, a bond of $3 million. If you understand bond, means you can get out of prison by posting bail with a collateral of 10%. So this is the, the mom standing in front of the judge yesterday. Right. Asked if she wanted to make a statement. She said, I'm not getting released. Yeah. The judge explained no, she wouldn't be. She said something else that was not telling. She then said, well, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get any money. I don't have a job. 
after being told three million dollar. Yeah, it's amazing. She was uh, she was stunned that she wasn't going to get out. Yeah, and then asked, "Well, where am I going to come up with the money to get out of jail?" Stunned, she's not going to just be released, and then and then concerned because she doesn't have a job or any way to get bail or or other money. It, it's uh, it, it certainly points to some form of mental illness, and 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 this is not meant as an excuse. It's not meant as a justification. I'm going to get away from this mom for a second. This can't be the first time she exhibited behavior like this. This can't be the first time anybody was concerned, maybe for the safety of the children, going back to the state of Oklahoma, if you believe her statement that the kids have been taken away from her previously. How do you continue to justify that behavior if you're the father or the aunt, the other two adults in the house, other caring adults in their family? How do you how do you not take more of a responsibility in protecting those children? Well, and we don't know. I mean, you know, she obviously she admitted to a history of meth addiction that wasn't happening here, or at least wasn't prevalent on this day. So we don't know if it was the meth addiction and that's what resulted in the children being taken away in Oklahoma. She may or may not have exhibited harmful behavior to the children before. If she had done anything anywhere near this where she had really harmed the children, I would hope she wouldn't just be allowed to get them back and that the adults wouldn't let her near them. Um, this is just this is so so over the top, Bruce. I don't even know how to how to describe this. I can't imagine the father and the aunt, obviously other pair, other adults that were in these children's lives. I can't imagine they would leave the children with this woman if they thought even for a moment that something like this was possible. But I, I, but don't, I don't know. I don't disagree with you. But my point being is, Barry, I find it hard to believe this woman or anybody wakes up on a Monday and it's the first and only time they think, you know what? I'm going to kill my three kids today. Yeah. And then I'm going to be stunned. They don't let me out of jail. Like I, I find that hard to believe all of her comments and all of her actions lead me to believe those children have been in danger for quite some time. It, I, I can't argue with you. Uh, you're, you're right. And what strikes me in reading uh, you're this, a good, an attorney, which means I must make, make a good point if you can't argue. With <laughs> that's true. I argue with everybody. No, but in all seriousness, in reading these statements, the one thing I'm, I'm, I notice and that I'm really drawn to is that there's no she doesn't seem upset or apologetic or anything. Um, you know what I'm saying? It isn't it isn't as if she somehow woke up out of a, 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 you know, a, a state that she was in, a mental state that she was in where she didn't know what she was doing or she was, you know, we've heard people say before, I was taking them away from the devil or, or whatever people in the mental illness have. That, we haven't heard that yet. She hasn't woken up from the issue. It's almost as if what she did seemed normal to her and why am I even here? Why am, I, why am I being charged? Why are you not releasing me? And that that part is really odd because normally at some point they wake up and go, oh, my God, what have I done? <sighs> Sorry for having to go through. I think we have Listen. to talk about it. It is, it is. But it is difficult. And, and, and if you suspect mental illness or you suspect something like that, uh, defer to the safety of the children, please. An Arizona lawmaker says he doesn't want refugees in Arizona. And he's OK if you call oh him a my. bigot. He's now saying he's okay with refugees, and by the way, he's not okay with calling him a bigot. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Full disclosure, I know Arizona State Representative Jay Lawrence. <laughs> Jay worked here at KTAR, Lovable oh, Jay. Oh my, yeah, Lovable Jay, they call I'm him. I'm not kidding you. I know, I remember. And Jay Lawrence, he's my legislator, you know. 
Oh, you live in his district? I do. There you have well, it. Well, I like to think of him living in my district, but okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> this is so, so ridiculous. Barry Markson's representative, Jay Lawrence, I'm going <laughs> to uh, made some comments at a, a recent forum hosted by the Fountain Hills Arizona Tea Party. By the way, there's still a tea party out there? Apparently so. They like to have meetings. Really? Yeah. They enjoy the tea. <laughs> Where are you guys on the expansion of government and this? Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, what, they, what about they, all the They have debt? no principles, obviously, but I, I'll give them that. But Jay Lawrence was speaking about refugees, and he made these comments. I don't want refugees settled here. I don't feel as though they come here. They will take from us. They will make for uh, lower wages for us. They will make for more expense in our schools, more expense in our emergency rooms. They may come here. I will do all I can as a legislator to not accept a refugee population in the state of Arizona. Call me a bigot, whatever you want. I just think it's best for the state of Arizona. That's from our friends at AZ Mirror. Okay, so so Jay Lawrence, I don't want refugees here. There are lower wages. It's more expense in our schools, emergency rooms. They take from us. Call me a bigot. I think it's just the best for the state of Arizona. Okay. Well, not okay. Well, and, well I'm and, saying, okay, Jay, I think it's bigoted. Yeah, uh, it absolutely is. I think it's ridiculous that you 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 believe that refugees in and of themselves, uh, people all over the world trying to escape God knows what, yeah. are somehow bad for America. I disagree. Face value. The, I dismiss that as a bigoted comment. The incredible thing is he knows it's bigoted because he says, call me a bigot. This is him talking. I, I have to say, Bruce, this is a lot of politicians who I, I don't know what it is in their mind, but they get stuck speaking to the audience that's directly in front of them as if no one else will ever hear it. So he's talking. He's to pandering this. to a group that Absolutely. believes this, that right. thinks all refugees slash immigrants are bad. Kick the Mexicans out. There's not enough white kids around here. That type. He's talking to that group. Yeah, he exactly right. And he's he does, and, and he's and he's thinking these people will love hearing this. I'm going to pander to He'll them. He'll get a round of applause for right. stop letting people into this country. Though well, you know those people. Yeah, not not you your know what I'm people. talking about. Those not your people. people. Right. We're fine with you. Those people. Yeah. Well, this morning, Jay issued a statement. This is on the Facebook. Yeah. You want to hear some of this, please? Or on the, well, this is him with the. Gatos and you go ahead. I have I have a statement. Okay, go ahead. He said at a recent meeting I spoke about refugees being settled in Arizona and expressed my opposition in a poor way. My opposition isn't to every refugee, but those who are not properly vetted or from terror sponsoring nations. I'm concerned that bad actors on the world stage are taking advantage of our open borders and the gaps in our system to sneak people in who will do us harm. Okay, if that is your concern, can you give me examples of it first off? I would say to Jay, what what are the examples of that happening? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll wait. <laughs> he then says, we have a limited budget. We're trying to fund education, veteran care, health care costs, et cetera. Finally, I was dumb enough to accept a taunt about being a bigot. I'm not a bigot, never have been, but I have to do a better job of not taking the bait and saying something dumb that the Democrats secretly filming me can use to do us harm. So wait a minute. You said 
Call me a bigot if you want. Somebody videotaped it, and you said, I'm I'm not a bigot. I only said I was a bigot until I found out they were filming me, and now I'm not. And by the way, not set up by Democrats. He's at a Tea Party meeting in Fountain Hills, for goodness sake. And somebody taped it. And if you live up in in, uh, District 23, like I do... Eric Kurland is going to be running against them. K-U-R-L-A-N-D. Look him up on the internet. Eric Kurland, he can use your support. You want to be done with what Jay Lawrence says and does? Eric Kurland's your guy. Only lost by three points in the last election in a district that Democrats don't win very often. Refugees, um, we, we, we as a country are better than that. We as a people are better than that. Uh, and Jay Lawrence's comments do not represent his constituent, Barry Markson, or me as someone who knows Jay. And I have zero problem telling them that to his face as well. Yeah, me too. I think those were abhorrent and uh, anti-American comments. Good luck. Should rich people have to pay extra taxes for education? Our state superintendent of public instruction, Kathy Hoffman, is in next to weigh in on it. That's coming up next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. And joining us right now in the studio is our state Arizona, uh, our state superintendent of public instruction, Ms. Kathy Hoffman. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to have you in here. Thank you. Happy New Year. It's the first time we've had you in this year. Look at that. So uh, we want to jump right in and talk about some of the hot issues regarding education. And I want to start with the proposed initiative a ballot initiative that I'm, I'm, I believe pending enough signatures will make it on the 2020 ballot from the Invest in Ed movement that would raise taxes on, quote, the rich to pay for education. Where do you come down on that? Well, I, I do think this should be up to the voters. And the reason we're seeing this come up again, we saw it last year, and then we're seeing it again this year. And the, and the reason is because we are still underfunded for our public education system when we look back at the, over the past 10 years or so. So we are still not funding our school system at the 2008 levels. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're, we continue to see this. And yes, there have there has been a, a lot of different initiatives and, and bills that we're seeing. And, and the governor's budget, which is is adding to our education budget, but we're just we're still in this big hole. So we're to not even be at 2008 levels is why we're seeing this. I got to tell you, I have a problem with this, and my problem is it it strikes me as a certain pass the buck that you know. What, uh, I want to say was Margaret Thatcher famously said, you know, the the the, the problem uh, with socialism is eventually uh, eventually you you run out of other people's money. The idea of we're just going to have a ballot initiative and have people vote to take somebody else's money to pay for education. Let's the legislature off the hook. Let's the governor off. The, let's everybody else off the hook to, as you say, fund education at the proper levels. Can you see where, where, where my disconnect comes with that? Well, why is it, quote, the riches responsibility to get us back to 2008 levels? Isn't it everyone's? Yeah, that's one way to look at it. And I 
I, I've always said, let's put all the options on the table. I would love to see more of a debate around this at the legislature. I think we are seeing some really positive movement in terms of school funding. I was down at the Capitol yesterday testifying in support for a bill that would add over $50 million for special education funding. And that is huge. That has been, that's been so needed for so long. Um, you know, we have a lot of issues we're still working on when it comes to, to teacher pay, to having school safety positions in our schools. So we, we are making a lot of positive movement. But I think we need to also think about the whole system com- comprehensively. And um, and so I, I'm just curious to see where this will go as well. And uh, Ms. Hoffman, I'm Barry Markson, and uh, thank you for being here. Let me just ask you, because I, I, I agree with what Bruce is saying. I don't like this bill. Um, but I think the legislature and the, the government in Arizona over the last 12 years has basically put us in this position or put people in this position because they can, we continually underfund education. That's why this happens. If the legislature was dealing with it as they should be, and they've been increasing it, uh, but if they had, then I don't think the people or the teachers would be putting this sort of bill out there. But what is being done, and I appreciate the $50 million for special education, are, are you working with legislatures or with the governor's office to truly increase um, education funding, and let, let's just say to get us back to 2008 levels this year. Is that possible? We have a billion dollars in the bank. We have an excess of revenue coming in this year. Is it possible just to get us back to 2008 levels this year? I would love to see that happen. What what I'm hearing when I'm down at the Capitol is more, more like pet projects, more like, well, let's have this much money for results-based funding. Let's have this much for our lower-performing schools, this much for school safety positions, yeah. this much for, for teachers or special education. It just seems to be very... You think we're very, dancing around the edges? A little bit. That's one way to put it, but it's okay. also just not. It's just not comprehensive of like what. What is our base pay? Our, our per pupil spending. Let's put that back at the two thousand eight levels and look at this more comprehensively. And again, Superintendent of Public Instruction Kathy Hoffman is here, and you're not just talking about specifically teacher pay. It's part of it, right? But we are talking about education writ large yes. uh, and Facility and the type of spending that goes into it. And again, here's where my I'll argue it. The disconnect comes from um, uh, you hear from Barry, you hear from you, you hear from me. Gee, we're not spending enough on education. Great. Well, where are we going to get the money from? Well, that's where the conversation dries up. Like everybody thinks there should be more money in education. Nobody thinks it should be their money. Exactly. And and there's the disconnect. And if 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 people in Arizona were so outraged over spending in education, well. Wouldn't it be reflective in, for example, lawmakers? Wouldn't they be feeling that pressure? Because that's where I say everybody says they want education, but they keep voting for people who don't believe that's a priority. So where there, are we? There's a disconnect there. There is a disconnect. It's been, not just me, right? It's not. And that's, okay. that's been, I would say, a tragedy of, of Arizona's history is to, is to not, you know, now that we're not in the recession anymore, we need to fully fund public education. That is the future of our state is our students. Let me change the subject a little bit. Can you give us the latest on Arizona students and performance? So how are Arizona students uh, uh, performing compared to where they were five years ago and compared to the rest of the country? We have been making gains. Um, I, I, it's not enough. We we know when we look at our, our AZ Merit, our statewide assessment scores, that we, we could be doing better. And I I know that I I tend to point to our, our teacher shortage as the, the biggest issue facing our academic success because we just saw the, the latest data come out that we still have 24% of our teaching positions are not filled by someone with a teaching certificate. They either are, we have long-term substitute teachers or emergency certificates 
certified teachers filling some of those positions, but if I'm if I'm a business leader and I want to have good outcomes, I'm going to put the, the most qualified people in the position. So we need to think about it that way. If we want to have high academic achievement, we need to have the most qualified, highly effective teachers in the classroom, which is why I'm making educator recruitment and retention a top priority. So one in four of our teachers today are not full-time I don't want to say they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not real teachers. They don't have the full proper wow. certification. They don't so, have a background in teaching. Help me understand something then. What is a initiative? What, what could draw either people to the profession or, dare I say, recruit them from other states to come to Arizona. Give me an example yeah. of something that we could do. We're doing several things around that. I created an educator recruitment and retention team. So one model we're supporting districts in is like a grow your own model. So let's say you have someone already working in the school. They're like a teacher aide or even, I mean, even a, a crossing guard, someone who's dedicated to the school community, or it could be a mom or dad who's really invested in the school community. How can we help support them in their pathway to becoming a teacher and becoming certified? So we, we're doing some work around that. Um, we're also looking at, I'm, I'm very supportive of the Teachers Academy. That's that's one way the state's been addressing it in terms of recruiting our, our young future teachers into the teaching profession is by offering a pro, the, through the Teachers Academy, they do not have to pay tuition to be enrolled in, in teaching programs and they can graduate from college debt-free, which is amazing. Let's see if those work, right? Yes, exactly. Kathy, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I called her Kathy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel you're, like I've known her for so long now. I, I just met her. You can call her Kathy. I no, think. I, I can't do that. Let's go with Arizona Superintendent of Public Instruction, <laughs> Kathy Alfin. Thank you so much. We Thank appreciate you your time me. today. Good to see you. All right. Is the impeachment trial intentionally boring? And by the way, if you don't think it's boring, you're boring yourself. We'll dig into that. It's coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I found someone. Who? Barry Markson. In for (laughs) Pamela Hughes. And Barry, am I to understand that you actually spent time watching the impeachment trial in the Senate yesterday. I uh, I did. I'm okay. uh, I'm apparently an impeachment nerd. All right. Well, C-SPAN <laughs> would like to send you a belated Christmas card because they just increased their viewership to 1. <laughs> oh, come on now. Um it was it was very it look this doesn't happen very often. It's I'll a, grant you that it, it is historic. It doesn't feel historic. Really? Not to me. I, and maybe it's yeah. because I think the outcome is preordained. Yeah. As it, evidenced by the jurors who've already told you how they're going to vote before they heard anything. Yeah, no, you're right. And secondly, I'm going to make the argument that the presentation itself, the product, is boring and intentionally so. Well, I, I think there's certainly some people there who want it to be boring so nobody watches. I, I definitely agree with that. They want it to be on at 1030 at night. Yeah. Well, some people do. On a Tuesday. Yeah. With a static camera on a podium, listening to people drone on. Yeah, I mean, look, they could definitely start earlier. They're starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time, which is 11 o'clock Arizona time every day. They could start a little earlier so people could do it. But I will say this also, Bruce, by, by starting later, it actually in some ways makes it more visible to people. Because think about it. People who watch TV, the big numbers are prime time, right? The big numbers are 7 to 10 or 8 to 11 at night, not 
not uh, in the morning or not in the afternoon. So in some ways, they may be increasing viewership when big things happen. So let me push back against your idea that this is must-see TV. (laughs) You have the, the, the networks, not cable, ABC, NBC, CBS. Yeah. Fox, right? Start cutting away from this so they could get to Judge Judy and Dr. Phil. Oh, yeah. Just hours into it yesterday. But the other thing you have to remember is it's being covered by, to the extent it's covered by all those networks, plus uh, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and I didn't even look. Is Fox Business covering? I don't even know what they're covering. But it's on, you know, anything that's on that many stations, you're breaking up whatever audience there may be. So I, I, I definitely think, think that's there as well. Look, even I was, I was watching all three of the cable news networks last night when I got home from work uh, to see how they were covering it. I was interested to see what, the, what, yeah, and I'm doing that, by the way, I had no idea I was going to be here this oh, morning. okay. Well, so it's I just so really nerdy. I was going to say, this wasn't your homework. Not even doing it for the Got show. It. Okay. Um, but I was, I was fascinated by a lot of the presentations. I liked seeing how they did that. The protocol... But you're a lawyer. Is I that, You think that this is... If you're, you're viewing this through a legal prism? I, I am. And a presentation prism and, and just the arguments and the evidence. I'm, I love that kind of stuff. I, I'm a, I'm a sure. trial lawyer. I, I defend companies all the time and I love uh, how people do that. And it was interesting to me just to see the dichotomy, how, how the, the House managers, for example, they came in I think they surprised the attorneys for the president. The House managers came in and they did more than argue the rules. They were presenting evidence. This was, in essence, their opening statement with... Like you would have in a normal trial. Yes, with audio-visual, with evidence, with... you know, They were showing things. It was very well put together, very organized and professional. Um, some of them were, I mean, Adam Schiff, I thought, did a, forget about what they're saying, forget the content, right. whether you agree. The, the pres- presentation. Absolutely very well done. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, I think is his name, did a good job. Um, and then the, the White House, the president's attorneys, and, and I'm, some of them are very good lawyers, so I'm not being critical in that respect. I don't think they expected the content, the substance to happen yesterday. I think they thought it was just going to be argument over rules and arcane things, and they didn't have a response to that. There was no audiovisual, which I expect there will be at some point from them. Maybe there won't be, but I think there will be. There were no slides. There was there were no former Mary, interviews. Here's where I think... And they were very short. They I'm had not going to call you time. wrong, but here's where I think you're missing it. The only thing the White House attorneys were doing yesterday was appealing to an audience of one. Well, and it wasn't anybody in the Senate chambers. Yeah, well, it, it, that may be because it's preordained right. how they're going to vote. They just needed to tell Trump what he wanted to hear on TV. That can be dangerous, and I'm I'm curious to see what in the what ov- way what is the, anybody well, going to change your vote? I'm cur- I'm curious to see what the overall ratings will be. And the one reason oh, I'm really minuscule. watching it, Bruce, and this does affect Arizona. Martha McSally's going to have a vote. I'm curious how how she handles it. I already know how her vote will be. I already know. <laughs> You want to bet? Yeah, no, take bets no, on it? I no? know, I know too. Yeah. Look, there's definitely a feeling of watching the game after you already know the score. Right. I, I agree. I agree. The score is going to be 54 to 46. Still, by the way. I'm still watching history, though. Yeah, 54 to 46 is the score. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. 53 47, maybe. Oh. <laughs> Very exciting. An HOA in Gilbert has given me just one more reason to hate HOAs and reinforce. My policy, that I would never live in an HOA community. Really? Pitch a tent in the park first. We'll tell you why. Coming up next.